Hey everyone, and welcome again to Coffee with Jesus. Welcome today. Uh, we're going to be looking at what does an X factor kind of like look like in the context of Christianity. What does a life lived for Jesus look like that has that X factor? If you're wondering what X factor means, it's that special something. It's that that thing that sets us apart. If you're new to our podcast, as always, welcome. Thank you for joining us, for downloading this, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, hit that subscribe button, and we'd love to, to have these chats every single week. As always, grab yourself a cup of tea or coffee, and for the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to be talking about how we can live more like Jesus, reflect Him in our lives. What, is there something about the life and message in the Bible that we can internalize and, and walk through? into our life today. And so today's session, as you heard, is X-Factor Living. Uh, what does an exceptional Christian life look like? The reason I ask the question is because if our idea of an exceptional life is exactly the same as everyone else's, then there's a problem. What does an exceptional Christian life look like? Are there some X-Factors, some, some special things we can unpack that lead us to living an X-Factor Christian life? And so today I want to have a look at five things that can help us grasp this, that we can wrestle with. Uh, these are not in any particular order. Um, these could each be the subject of a podcast on their own. But today, just very briefly, five things on how we can live the X-factor life in Christianity. Number one is excellent habits. If we're going to look at an X-factor kind of life, we need to understand that it will contain excellent habits. We are all right now committed to a set of habits. The question is not whether we have habits, but whether the habits we have are good for us. A simple definition for a habit is this. A habit is something we repeatedly do that shapes who we are becoming. I'm going to say that again, a habit. A habit is something we repeatedly do that shapes who we are becoming. So what are the habits in our lives that are shaping who we are becoming? Excellent habits for those who follow Jesus are practices, are, are things that help us reflect Jesus to our world and become, become more like Jesus in our person. So these excellent habits will shape our identity and our mission. It'll shape how we influence those around us, not for ourselves, but for Jesus. Now, immediately you may be thinking, well, some of those habits might include things like reading the word, prayer, fasting, giving, solitude, worship, silence, communion, the list goes on and on. And to be fair, there may be things that you do habitually that are unique to you, but they help you reflect Jesus well. So just for a moment, ask yourself this question. What is it that I do that is a good habit for me, but not necessarily good for everyone? There are some things that are generally good, and there are some things that are specifically good. Identify those things that are specific to you. Maybe it's, you know, for you, it's playing the guitar. Playing the guitar helps you reflect Jesus. Perhaps you need more meditation, perhaps whatever it is. What is it for you? What is the one thing for you, the one habit, that if you could get really good at that habit, it would help you reflect Jesus? The opposite, however, is also true. For each of us listening right now, what are the habits that are taking us in the opposite direction of where Jesus is calling us? Are there habits in our world that are forming us into something that isn't Jesus. Maybe, you, maybe you've got a habit of binging on TV, series, that kind of thing. Perhaps you gossip. Perhaps you're so busy. Perhaps you overeat. Perhaps you spend recklessly. When we look at an X-factor kind of life, we have to understand the role of habits within that life. The habits we entertain and adopt will determine the kind of life we live. 
So number one, an X-Factor life has excellent habits. Number two, an X-Factor life will have an expectant heart at its center. There is something about the Christian walk that calls us to this thing called expectancy. We, more than any other group of people, should have expectancy as hope, as part of our spiritual DNA, because we have a promise that this world is not all there is, and one day everything will be made right by God. That is the promise. So, as a group of people, we have general expectancy. We, just like we had general and specific habits, we have this general expectancy, but equally we can live with specific expectancy. What are, what are we specifically expectant for? Are we expectant for God to break through our ordinary? Are we expectant for God to do the miraculous in terms of our finances, relationships, health? Jesus encourages us to ask, seek, knock. In other words, act with an expectancy for God to move, for God to answer. I love how you know, God's timing never matches our own. And yet God never fails to hear. He never fails to move. Just because it hasn't happened in our timing doesn't mean that God hasn't heard. What this shows us slightly is that, is that our level of expectancy will come out in our prayers. What you pray and how you pray will reveal your level of expectancy. Are we praying big, bold prayers with expectation that God will answer and God will move? I want to encourage you. Safe prayers do not honor God. Praying for something you know you have the strength to accomplish on your own does not honor God. Asking for God's blessing on something you already know can be done, already know you will do, does not reveal any expectancy. An X-Factor life is one where our hearts are filled with expectancy and it comes out in our prayers. We don't just ask God to bless what we're about to do. We ask God to do what only He can do. So an X-Factor life has excellent habits, and expectant hearts. Number three, an X-factor life has extraordinary faith. Extraordinary faith. And there are a few examples in the Gospels of someone who Jesus describes as having extraordinary faith. One is the centurion who comes to Jesus and asks for healing. And then Jesus agrees to come. The centurion simply asks for a word. Think about that. Jesus, someone comes to Jesus with a request. Jesus responds by agreeing to go with him. And the centurion simply says, no, no, all I need is a word. And there's so much we can unpack in terms of this centurion principle. But think about this for a moment. This moment had never occurred. Up to this point, Jesus had healed by being in the same vicinity as the person, often touching them or speaking with them or engaging with them in some way. But here, a man who understood authority, had the imagination to ask Jesus for something no one had ever experienced before, a healing via distance. And Jesus marvels at his faith. What if extraordinary faith is an imaginative faith? What if an extraordinary faith is a faith that asks God to do what he has never done before because no one has ever asked him to do it? What if extraordinary faith believes God can do what he has never done because no one has ever asked it? Sometimes I think we restrict ourselves to thinking God can only do what he's already done in the Bible. God can only move in specific ways. But I wonder if God is calling us to this kind of imaginative faith that the centurion has. The kind of faith that asks God for something that no one else has ever had the imagination to ask him for. And believe that he can do it. One of the things about extraordinary faith is it has supernatural imagination attached to it. 
Now, there are other things with regards to extraordinary faith we could speak into. We could speak about how the extraordinary faith of the woman who came to Jesus, that extraordinary faith helps us to live off just the crumbs. And there's so much that we can talk about. But for now, I want to encourage us. Extraordinary faith is imaginative. So number one, excellent habits. Number two, expectant hearts. Number three, extraordinary faith. Number four, an X-factor life has to have extravagant worship. Second last thing is, is that worship is important. Extravagant worship is a part of everyday life. But what does extravagant worship look like? The best image of this and the one that we so often point to is the woman who anoints the feet of Jesus with perfume. She breaks that valuable bottle of perfume and washes the feet of Jesus and is seen as doing something incredibly extravagant. And the result of this extravagant worship is that the atmosphere of the whole house was changed. She changed the atmosphere of the whole building through her action of extravagant worship. She, often, she offended the Judas in the room. Extravagant worship will offend people, and that's okay, because worship that makes everyone comfortable is probably not focused on Jesus, but on people. I want to say that again. Extravagant worship is not going to make everyone comfortable. Extravagant worship will offend the Judases in the room, and that's okay, because our worship is not to people. We worship Jesus, and those people who are convinced that their own comfort is their God will be made uncomfortable by acts of extravagant worship. So the result of her worship was a shifted atmosphere. It was an offended Judas. And then Jesus says, every time the gospel is proclaimed, she would be spoken about. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're living out Jesus' prophetic declaration. Her act of worship is directly linked to the greatest story the world has ever heard. Her worship is now attached to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When we worship extravagantly, we step out of our little stories and into God's grand narrative. I know that in our world, many people don't believe in such a thing as a, as a meta-narrative, a grand narrative. But as followers of Jesus, we need to see ourselves as part of God's divine narrative. We need to see our extravagant worship as placing us in that narrative. So an X-Factor life has excellent habits, has expectant hearts, has extraordinary faith, and has extravagant worship. Lastly, it's extreme obedience. An X-factor life will have extreme obedience. And now obedience is not a hot topic, right? There's not that many books on obedience unless you're trying to train your dogs. It's not a, it's not a nice thing to talk about. When we think of the heroes of our culture, obedience is probably not a character trait we would associate them. More often than not, when we think of the heroes in our society, we talk about the courage to defy authority. We talk about the, the rebel. And yet, <clears throat> Scripture calls for obedience. Obedience means that we acknowledge that someone or something knows more than we do and has a better judgment of the situation than we do. And this is not something we like to admit. We do not like to admit that someone else can see what we can't and knows what we don't. No one wants to admit that. Not many people I know like to admit that they need someone or something to help them navigate the situations they find themselves in. Admitting we need help or admitting we could be wrong or that our desires and hopes may be off-center is not easy. However, following Jesus means acknowledging that as Lord of our lives, He knows what is best for us more than we do. 
He loves us so much that anything he asks us to do or commands us to do is the best possible thing for us, even if we don't agree with it. Obeying Jesus, surrendering to his leadership and guidance is the best thing we can do, but it is often the opposite of how we are wired and shaped by culture. We are told often, if it feels right to you, then it's right. But that is not always the case. Sometimes the things that feel the best in the moment can have the worst consequences. And sometimes obeying Jesus doesn't feel nice. Sometimes obedience in the moment is not nice to our senses, but obedience separates us. And an extreme obedience gives us an X-factor kind of life. So again, here are the five things. Number one, excellent habits. Number two, expectant hearts. Number three, extraordinary faith. Number four, extravagant worship. And number five, extreme obedience. So at, at the end of this, what is God speaking to you about right now? If you would allow me, maybe I can pose some questions that the Holy Spirit might use. Here's the first one. Do you need to adopt new habits or change the, change the ones you have? Do you need to stop playing it safe and pray bigger prayers from a place of expectancy? Do you need to start imagining what God could do and, and asking him for those things? And maybe you need to start asking him for things no one has ever asked for. Do you need to break the mold and, and worship with extravagance? Perhaps you need to, to, to go out of your comfort zone and worship in a way you've never worshipped before. And do you need to step into uncommon obedience and surrender to the lordship of the one who loves you the most? What is God saying to you today? Because here's what I believe. What I believe is that Jesus doesn't call anyone to average. Not average by kingdom standards. Jesus calls each and every single one of us to an X-factor kind of life, the kind of life that, that our world might disregard, but the kingdom can't help but take notice of. And that happens when we begin to understand the, the role of excellent habits, the importance of the expectant heart, the power of extraordinary faith, the significance of extravagant worship, and the importance of extreme obedience. I pray that as we've gone through these things, the Holy Spirit will just lay on your heart in which area you can press into Jesus all the more. We look forward to chatting again next week. Have an amazing week, everybody. God bless. 